Praise the Lord. Amen. Man, we all having church. Amen. We ain't playing. I didn't come here to play. Did you come here to play? Because I didn't come here to play, man. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Ain't no grave. Gonna hold this body down. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Come on, man. That's what I'm talking about, man. And here's, here's what we got to pay attention to, though, man. Because, because there's all kinds of different graves that are trying to hold you down, trying to hold me down. We just sang about it, man. Fear is a grave trying to hold me down. You're going to let fear hold you down. Come on, man. All right. Shame is, is a grave trying to hold you down. You're going to let shame hold you down. Come on. All right. What, 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 what about pride? Pride's a liar, all right? Pride's a liar, right? All right, lust is a liar, amen? Greed is a liar, amen? All right, doubt is a liar, all right? Fear, shame, all right? All this is a liar, man. Come on, we ain't got time to be held down by any lies, amen? How many of you like being lied to? All right, man, today is time to stop lying to yourself, amen? Amen. Can we, can, we, can we commit to that? Just, just maybe some self-examination today. It's going to get crazy. We've got a huge chunk of scripture that is insane. It's one of my favorites. All right. And, and, and I love talking about this stuff. But we need to be challenged in this area, man. Oh, you know, what, what does it look like? You know, and when we start talking about this, this dead life being alive, but wait a second, this walking around life looking dead, we're trying to figure out what does it look like? What does that mean? I want to share with you real briefly a quick story that Jesus shared about all this stuff. All right, but let me pray for us first, all right? So, Father, we just give you the praise. Amen. Can we give God the praise? Amen. Can we say praise the Lord? Amen. Father, we give you the praise. Amen. We ain't here to take none of that. And we give you the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. And Lord God, we just pray in the name of Jesus. I can get out of the way. Every, even every one of us get out of the way of the work you're doing right here, right now in our lives. Wherever we're at, right here, online, wherever we're at, man, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Woo, got hot in here, man. That's right. That's right. So Jesus... You may have heard this story before. You've at least heard the reference, the prodigal son, all right, returns the prodigal son, all right? Uh, this is just an introduction to what we're talking about, okay? Now, this is actually another area of my scripture, favorite areas of scripture of mine. It's in Luke chapter 15. You don't have to turn there. I'm actually not even going to put the whole story up on screen. I'm going to talk about it, and then I'm going to share some key points at the end to kind of lead us into this understanding of where we're going today. Say, fully alive. I want to be fully alive, amen? Fully alive. Come on, man. Come on. That's what, I'm, that's what we're going with. All right? Jesus tells this story. He said there was a man, and he had two sons. All right? And one of the sons got tired. One of the sons got bored. One of the sons started just tripping his own head and said, man, I got to get up out of here. You ever feel like that? I just got to get out of here. Ain't nothing popping around here. Ain't nothing happening. Ain't nobody coming by anymore. All right? All I'm doing is working and stuff like that. My TV don't work. Everything, you know, is all messed up. So he walks up to the dad, and he says, check this out, dad. I'm going to it. I'm bored. I want to roll out. You know, when you die, you're going to give us the inheritance, right? He says, can you just give me mine right now? He straight up told his dad that. And his dad loved him enough to allow him to pursue this his own way. And he did. He gave him his his bread, the money they would have come to him. And then the kids split. He went off to a different country and just started just partying it up. It was just happening, man. Everybody loved being around this dude until he was broke. All right? And then he got dead broke, man. He had nothing. 
and he was like getting hungry. So he hired himself out to a local in that community. And the dude said, well, you can feed my pigs. You can feed my pigs. Go and feed my pigs, man. And so he did. He went out there feeding the pigs. And he was so darn hungry, man, that he wanted to just, he said, man, I, that food's looking good. That pig food is looking good. Man, I think I want some of that pig food. He says, man, I'm hungry, but nobody would give him nothing. And then Jesus said that, it, that he came to himself, right? He came to himself as he was doing this, and he thought to himself, he says, wait a second, man. My dad, my father, has all kinds of food. His servants are even eating better than I am right now. I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to tell my dad, you know, I have sinned against heaven, and, and right in front, I sinned against you. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He had that prayer. You ever practice a prayer? You ever say, here's what I'm going to tell God. All right, I'm going to tell him. No, wait, wait, let me, let me <laughs> maybe I'll write it down. <laughs> no, I don't like that. I'm gonna, you know what I mean? We, he was practicing this prayer. And I imagine on his way home, he was saying it over and over again. You know, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Uh, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your, one of your hired servants. And as he says he was approaching the house, his dad was on the porch looking for him, always looking out for him. He says that his dad saw him way out there and his dad took off running after him to meet him. He didn't wait and say, hmm, yeah. all right, we'll see about this. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Lock that door, all right? He didn't do none of that. He saw his boy, and he started blasting off after him, the dad running. And he went, and the son saw his dad. He probably tripped out. He's going to hit me. You know what I mean? No, he was like, this is going to get crazy. And he started practicing his, his, his prayer. He says, Dad, you know, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned and his dad ain't even trying to hear it. And I, before God, before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't even get to finish the prayer. And his dad said, boom, hugged him and kissed him, told the servants, get this boy a, a, a robe and get him some good, nice looking rings and makes, you know, kill that big old cow over there. We're going to have a barbecue tonight. All right. Throw some canitas on the grill. Everything is chill. It's going to be awesome. All right. Everything just happened. We're going to do this, all right? And here's what he said in Luke chapter 15, or verse, let me just jump down to 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to party. They began to celebrate. He was dead, and now he's alive. Wait a second, man. We just heard that the kid was pretty much alive, wasn't he? He was alive. He was breathing. He was over there feeding pigs. Dead man can't feed pigs. Look at this, man. He was in a grave. He was dead and in a grave, and now he's out. I'm going to ask you, what did your grave look like? Or what does your grave look like today? And think about it in these terms, man. Shame, fear, doubt, pride, lust, greed. What's holding you down? What, what, is, what is keeping you from being fully alive? Say fully alive. What is keeping you from being fully alive?
What's holding you down? Some of you, some of you are alive but need to stop living like you're dead. You know what I'm talking about? And I know some of you are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? You can't be alive and remain dead at the same time, all right? Yeah, you can, and I'm going to prove it, all right? And so, so let me just get us caught up to speed here. We're in this series. We're going through the book of Ephesians. We're calling it a firm foundation. And, and we've, we talked about how, how Paul, at the very beginning of this letter, kind of paints this, he shares, not paints, but he basically declares this firm foundation, how God had eyes on you before you had eyes on him. How when we are established in Jesus Christ, we don't only, not, don't only understand like, a, like a who we are, but we understand why we are, all right? And we also recognize that, that we are held onto in the grip of the Holy Spirit. And it ain't dependent on my grip, it is his grip, all right, that holds me, amen? Because we ain't got a very good grip all the time, all right? And then, and then we talked last week, you know, we kind of, kind, of, kind of came out of the scripture a little bit, and instead of kind of exhausting what he's actually talking about, we actually used it as maybe an example of how to pray for one another. Using Paul's example that, that, that how he prayed for the church, recognizing the church needs to be praying for the church, amen? All right, and we recognize that. And then, and then now he brings us right back into here, and he's saying, look it, man, I want to talk to you about living fully alive, all right? And, and living fully alive is, is, is living life beyond this world while fully alive in the world. Are you fully alive? Are you living life beyond this world while fully alive in this world? All right, are you recognizing that you are part of a greater kingdom rather than, rather than the one that we're just kind of just trying to make our way through here right now? There's more to it, amen? There just is. Or are you living like you're dead? Or are you still walking around dead? Again, you might be thinking, man, I still don't know what you're talking about. All right? And you're saying, I've never been dead, at least not yet. And I want to challenge you to with this because the scriptures are going to, I'm going to prove this, man, right through the word of God that every one of us have either been dead or are still walking around dead. And I think we need to pray again for the poor before we get into this one, man, because this is where it's going to get crazy. And so, Father, I just give you the praise. I give you the honor and help us, Lord God, to submit to the authority of your word. Lord God, the truth of your scriptures. Help us, Lord God, to self-examine for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All of us were dead, just like that prodigal. Some of us might still be. Ephesians chapter one, or chapter two, I'm sorry, verse one, begins like this. And you, now he's talking to the church. You gotta remember, he's speaking to the church. Those of us who have trusted that firm foundation of, of God having eyes on you, of, of, of being redeemed in Christ and being held on by the Holy Spirit, of, of having us that firm foundation in Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church. Now, some of you may not be yet the church and, and, and recognize, I don't know what's taking you so long, but, but today, hopefully, we're gonna remedy that, all right? At least you and the Lord are. Because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ask you to make a choice. <laughs> Hopefully we're doing that every time we talk. So he's talking to the church here. And here's what he's saying. He says, and you were, you were dead 
in trespasses and sin. You, you were dead in trespasses and sin. This, and this sounds a little crazy when you think about it, right? Because lots of people are walking around without Christ and, and they look pretty alive, pretty alive, amen? They do, they look pretty alive. I see, some, I see some cats in great shape, really great physical shape. And I'm like, man, that dude looks like he's really alive, all right? He don't look dead to me. I see other you know, people that are really, really smart, man. I'm thinking, man, that guy's really, his mind's alive, all right? This guy's physically alive, this guy's mentally alive. And then I see people have really cool personalities when they walk into the room. The room just lights up, man. And, and I'm like, man, this, this guy's got an amazing personality. Or she, she just lights up the room, brings it to life. But, 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 but they don't know Christ, man. And, and so are they dead because they don't know Jesus? And yes, because at the very core, what he's talking about, if the soul is dead, all right, if the soul is dead, all right, then, 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 you're, then you're living dead. The soul is dead without the soul creator alive in him and alive in her. The soul is, 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 is as dead. He says, and you were dead in trespasses and sin. He's going to paint a pretty bleak picture, but it's going to get better, I promise. All right? <laughs> and, 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 and I got some things I got to share here, man. They're going to get a little bit graphic. All right? But you know what? Hang on, man. You got probably, if you brought your kids with you, you're going to have to do some explaining here a little bit. All right. And so, but it's good. We should be explaining stuff to our kids. Amen. All right. Because life is life, but you know, Christ has, you know, overcome all of it. So it's pretty awesome. He says, and you were dead in trespasses and in sins and in which, in which, in which you once walked following. Okay. Here's where it gets crazy. Following the course of the world. All right, surrendered, all right, to the culture. So many times we find it easier to be cultural Christians than committed Christians, all right? What is a cultural Christian? A cultural Christian just kind of goes with the flow. I kind of call it sometimes a casual Christian. A casual Christian, I don't even know if, it, if, if, a, if a man or woman who is casually Christian, all right, is truly committed to Christ. I don't know, man, because, you know, when, when, when I think of Jesus, he wants a commitment, you know what I mean? If anyone will come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me completely, not casually. All right, not not circumstantially, not just you know in a crisis. All right, man, not just culturally because hey, this is the way that we, we do it in America. We just go to church on Sunday. That's it. Maybe if we ain't got anything else to do. All right, and that's not what he's talking about. He says we once followed. All right, the course of this world, the culture of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the sons of disobedience. Now that's some crazy words right there. All right, following the prince of the power of the air. This is a very real statement, and and all I got to kind of share this with you because you've actually have experienced this. There's something in the air. You ever somebody heard somebody say that? There's something different. What is happening is something is that ain't right. You ever feel? Like just something's just not right, and you feel it's in the air. I, I, I was I was in San Quentin State Prison, all right, and they hadn't done an execution for about twenty five years, and there was this guy Robert Harris that was on death row, and he was scheduled to be executed while I was there, and I remember you know because he did some pretty horrific things. All right, and he was the first execution in 25 years, and they're going to put him in the gas chamber. And what's crazy is when you know when everybody knew it. There was you know everybody was informed because they want to keep an eye on people because something's in the air and it gets a little crazy. And I remember that you know usually you know um, when, when, well when they test the gas chamber, the, they were gonna they were gonna gas him at 12:01 a.m. And I remember when they test the gas chamber, they they dim the lights in all the in all in, 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 in every in every unit. The lights will dim and they'll go back on. They'll dim and they'll go back on. And you know they're testing the gas chamber. 
Well, all night that night, up till about 12 at midnight, Every, it was just, there was just all kinds of craziness going. They locked everybody in, and you can hear everybody just talking crazy. And just some of the, even, even I wasn't even a Christian yet, and I knew some of the things that these guys were saying was just horrible and just wicked, man. And I was kind of even backing up thinking, I don't even be a part of that. And they were just kind of going off because there was, there was just this thing that was in the air that was just seemed to be controlling what was coming out of everybody's mouth. And then at 12.01, the lights dimmed. Everybody, nobody knew that, 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 that there was a stay of execution and the guy didn't get, get executed that night. It wouldn't be until about two years later that he actually was executed. But it was crazy because when the lights dimmed, everybody shut up. Everybody got quiet. And it was as if that everybody recognized, wait a second, death is a real thing. And no matter how loud I am with my mouth, how crazy I think I can talk, how cool I can make everybody think I am, and unfazed I might try to portray myself as. Death's a real thing, and everybody's going to deal with it. And there was another thing that kind of just struck me as it got quiet. And it was like at that moment, I felt that everybody else in that cell knew that they were alone, that they were already dead. He says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once, once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like all the rest of mankind. He's talking about everybody. Nobody has been exempt from this. Without Christ, that is our life description. However horrible or however nice you may make it look. We've seen the horror. We've seen how crazy it gets. I was, 60 Minutes had an episode on just not too long ago. Two young men, all right, believed that at the age of 16, they believed that Satan himself was telling them to sacrifice one of their friends, to kill one of their friends. And they were what they called Satan worshipers, which to me is like the biggest joke on the planet. And they, worshiping Satan, felt like they were hearing Satan's voice to go and sacrifice their kid. I mean, their, their friend. And they did. 15-year-old boy. They sacrificed him. Years later, 60 Minutes was in the prison interviewing one of these kids who by then had given his life over to Christ. And they asked him, how did you feel? Do you remember how you felt immediately after you carried that out? He said, I'm, I'm vividly. Because up at that point, Satan was saying to do this and so we were doing it. Satan said to do this and so we were doing it. But at the moment we carried that out, he said, both of us looked at each other and we started bawling. We started crying and we couldn't stop crying. And he said, and he said well, how did you feel? He said, we felt alone and we felt betrayed because Satan was no longer our friend. That's crazy. 
It's because he doesn't love you. You see, his job is to come to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he does. That's what he does. How did you feel after you committed adultery? How did you feel after you brutally abused somebody? How did you feel after you verbally abused that person? How do you feel after you, you know what I mean? The list can go on and on. Life without God is a living death. And, and those who live it are dead even while they're living. I've been there, man, and I'll admit it. I would be a liar if I didn't admit it. But, but here's what's crazy, because Paul paints a very vivid picture of what it means, to, you know, of what we are by nature. But he also goes to share. Here's where it gets good. Ready? It's going to light up in here again. All right? <laughs> also shares what mankind can become by grace. I'm going to read this in its entirety once again. And you were dead in trespasses and sins. And what you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once walked in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God... But God, all right, say, but God, <laughs> being rich in mercy. What is mercy? Holding back what every one of us deserve, all right? Not, get, not just kind of mercy, all right? Being rich in mercy. Why? Because of the great love with which he loved us, amen? That even when, even when, say even when, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, amen? Hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. I told you there's good news, amen? Praise the Lord, there is good news. But God being rich in mercy, being rich in like, you know what? I'm not gonna come after you right now. Being rich in, you know what? Okay, I know what you deserve, but I'm holding it back. Being rich in, you know what? We ain't even gonna talk about that. Being rich in, you know what? Let me just kind of, let, let me just tell you what, what I really want for you. I want to love you and I want you to love me back. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved and loves us even when we were dead, walking around dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together with Jesus. Say with Christ with Christ, not with, with Christ. He, by, by the power of God, he raised Christ from the grave, amen, and made him alive. My king is alive, man. Ain't no grave holding him down, amen. But, but he is, he is alive. And by the power of God, he has made you and me alive again. For those of us who trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection, he has made us alive again to walk in a new life. Amen? By grace, you've been saved. Saved from what? The control and the damnation of your sin, man. Saved from the control and the damnation of your sin. It's pretty crazy. I was talking to my brother uh, in Christ. Um, 
Uh, um, hold on a second. <laughs> I'm writing myself a quick note because <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. All right. <laughs> um, I saw him, we were having lunch, man, the other day, and he was, he was telling me, we we're sharing our stories, and he's, he's been walking with, with the Lord, you know, for about, I think it's about almost 30 years now or something like that. And he was telling me about how when he first gave his life to Christ, that um, he's played golf with a bunch of guys, right? And, and they, were, they were just kind of like, uh, I forgot what he said, how he said it, the term he used, but it was pretty funny. They weren't like total heathens, but they were like really kind of good heathens, all right? And so, and so it was like, you know, um, but, but I think he used a different word. Anyways, he had given his life to Christ and fully committed his life to Christ and was still, you know, hanging with his buds because why not, man? I mean, they're, you know, they need, to, they, they need to see Jesus, see what he looks like. And he's hanging out and playing golf with them. And um, one of the guys, about six months after he gave his life to Christ, one of his buddies comes and says, hey, um, my wife uh, left me. Man, left me, man. And start going down all these, 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 this laundry list of things and problems that they've been having in their marriage. And Chuck was bold enough, man. He was bold enough to, 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 to look the guy in the eye and say, brother, that's not your biggest problem. You have a bigger problem than that. The guy was like, what are you talking about? My, my family's falling apart and, and this. And he says, no, man, you have a bigger problem than that. He says, you don't know Jesus. You don't know Christ. You, have, you need to give your life to Jesus. And the guy, I said it to him, and he said it into a way that the guy just trusted what he was saying and recognized it in Chuck's life and started to follow Jesus. And the marriage started to get back together a little bit, right? And it started to hang, they, they, they started to do all right, but, but his wife really wasn't liking that this guy was following Jesus now. She didn't like that. It wasn't working for her. All right, it wasn't helpful. And she ended up after, uh, shortly after, left again. And the guy just stayed committed and kept following Christ and stayed close to Christ. And he says, you know, and he made that, Christ was his commitment, was his life. He wasn't gonna be a casual Christian or only a crisis Christian or a closet Christian or any of those other types. He was gonna be a committed Christian, a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And she had left and left the state, moved into another state. And then uh, two years later, the divorce was becoming final and they were gonna come back and sign the papers. And she was coming back to sign the papers and he's telling Chuck, I gotta go meet her to sign the papers. He goes, you know what? But God's gonna intervene. Watch, God's gonna do something. Totally trusted the Lord. And, uh, and it's like, it looks pretty dismal at this point. He says, no, nah, man, God's gonna do something. He trusted in the finished work of God. He trusted. He stayed committed. He went to go sign the papers. Before they signed the papers, they said, can we just go get a cup of coffee first? And she said, all right. They had like a four-hour cup of coffee. Ten years later, they're still married. <laughs> Happily married. And teaching marriage workshops in their church. Praise the Lord. Amen. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is Jesus came to life. In their life, came to give us life and gave us life. And, you know, and not only life, but life more abundantly. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his job. Jesus says, I came to give you life and, and, and even that more abundantly so that you can be fully alive. 
fully alive. And so that you can live life beyond this world while fully alive in this world. Amen? All right. It hasn't even gotten crazy yet. Watch. This is going to get real crazy right now. This is insane. All right. right. Ephesians chapter, uh, where are we at? Chapter 2, verse 7. And then he goes on. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to read this again in its entirety. <clears throat> um, excuse me. It says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's the real thing. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And, 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 then, and then it says in verse six, and raised us up with him and seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna come back to that because that is a crazy statement, all right? Because you're like, when did that happen? All right? And so that, look at child, verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I know words are flying everywhere. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus so that he might show, all right, what he looks like. Let me ask you this. When, 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 you, when you look at old paintings, when you're, I don't know if you're, you know, if you're into this, I like looking at old paintings and stuff like that. My wife really likes checking out old paintings and stuff. And she, we're at yard sale. She's like, hmm, I wonder, you know, and so we're always kind of checking it all out. But a lot of times when you see these old paintings and they'll have a person in the painting, very seldom do you ask, who's the person? You might ask once in a while, right? But, but the most common question is, who's the painter, right? Who painted this? This is an amazing painting. Who painted this? This is awesome. Just look at all the colors. Look how vibrant. Who did this, right? Because the painting, all right, reflects the painter. And it's like when, when you know, it's just like when, when, you, when a patient, after a major surgery, all right, and, and just, and just this major surgery is total success, all right, it is, is, is basically a living, she, she becomes a living testimony to her doctor's skill, right? So, so what he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So, so when, when we, when, when people meet a completely changed person, you ever meet that person? A person that is just completely changed, all right? A dead man or a dead woman made fully alive, all right? We usually get it backwards in the way that we normally ask questions. Instead, we say, what happened? But the first question needs to be, who happened? Who happened, man? Something happened in your life, and it wasn't a thing. This, these lives here, it was a person. A person happened. He happened, amen? He happened. Then we can talk about what happened after he happened. John Stott says, we are both exhibits of God's skill and trophies of his grace. So when you see these words flying all over the place, he's basically just saying right here, man, he wanted to show everybody what he looks like through you. Are you letting people see what Jesus looks like through you, man. Look at verse eight. I told you we're coming back to verse six. We will, hold on. I'm gonna read these out, check this out. Verse eight, for by grace, 
Three key words here. You have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Salvation is more than just forgiveness. It's deliverance from death, all right? Grace is, is, is not just, you know, just a kind of a, a gentle nod from God. It's basically God's free and undeserved mercy towards us who deserve death. Faith is that humble trust, that road, that grace and salvation, all right, take, all right, to change our lives. And it's not a result of works. Look at verse nine. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Even our faith was given to us. So you can't say, man, it's because of my faith. No, you were given faith. Faith is a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Basically, you weren't just saved to sit around and say you're saved. There's more to it. Now, I told you we're going to bring back verse 6, and it's going to get crazy right here, but here's where, here's where the challenge is. I'm going to read this all over again, all right? I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, all right? And then I want to challenge you in an area that I just, I just, one of my, I just love this idea. All right. And you were, were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, all right, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, all right, and raised us up. Say, raised us up. Say, really high. Okay, watch this, all right? And raised us up with him in, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Can't get no higher than that, all right? Ain't no higher like the most high, all right? All right, all right? So, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, all right, well, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us, all right, in Christ Jesus, all right? For by grace you were saved and by, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. You can't earn it so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right. So there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this sense that, that, that we were dead and that we were just kind of risen out of this grave that has been holding us down. I don't know what your grave looked like, but you need to recognize what does your grave look like? All right, and then we were raised up. All right, we were raised up with God, seated next to Christ. You're like, I don't remember that. Hold on a second. And then wait a second. All right, there's also this work that needs to be done down here, so we don't just stay there. So, so the, when, I, when I see this man, about four years ago, I shared this illustration with you, and it's out of a book that I just love called The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. You should check it out. It's a small book. You should get it. Amazing book, Barbar The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. He explains this with what, what is called the halo effect. Has, has anybody ever heard of the halo effect? 
It's a military term, all right, for parachuting, high altitude, low opening. I shared this with you guys about four years ago. Maybe you forgot. All right, you're going to get reminded. Check this out. All right, high altitude, low opening. All right, parachuting basically is crazy, all right? I used to watch old war movies and watch these guys jumping out, and you know, the old war, and the parachutes are coming down, and there's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Pow, pow. And you're like, what the heck? This sounds crazy. Who would want to do this? This is crazy. But men, you know, they were just, they were just like, they're going to do it. They're going to try and see if they can make it. Well, in order to get around that, they came up with the halo effect. And the halo effect is where they'll take a plane, all right, and the soldiers, all right, and they'll take them up to about 25,000 feet to even 45,000 feet to where they're undetectable by radar and you can't hear the plane. And they can take, they can take them pretty high. And then you jump out of the plane and you would just free fall until you hit terminal velocity. In other words, you can't go any faster because your weight and the pressure is just, that's just it. And usually it's about between 120 miles an hour to 200 miles an hour, depending on your weight. And you're just flying, flying, flying. And at the last possible moment, in order to save, to barely save your own life, you open up your chute, maybe 3,000 feet, sometimes as low as 1,800 feet. Boom! You open the chute, all right? And if you survive, all right, you get to fight the enemy. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, right? You know what? And you look at this, all right? If you land safely, you land safely, quote unquote, behind enemy territory. And if you live, you get to fight the enemy. All right, here's what Erwin says. He says, when we become citizens of God's kingdom, we are both, we are of both heaven and of earth. It's as if, it's as if at the moment that we give our lives to Christ, we're lifted beyond time. We're lifted beyond eternity. All right, into the, into, into, into eternity. All right, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Can't get no higher than that. All right, but then created by God to do good works and his, fulfill his purpose here in the world. Basically, we're God's ground troops dropped from eternity back into history. We were once enemies of God, but now we are with God behind enemy lines. Amen? Woo, this is a big deal, man. I just, I just love this. All right? Here's what, here's what has happened. This is what God does with newborns. Oh, you're brand new. You just gave your life to Jesus. Boom. Get out there and fight the enemy. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. All right? Boom. We should know this, man, because we just got through talking, all right? You know, why, why would we expect anything different? When, when we give our life to Christ, we declare war on the enemy, all right? And we put a target on our back. Stop trying hard to hide the target. I'm right here, praise the Lord, all right? Covered in the blood of Jesus Christ for the glory of God, amen? Now what? When you can't threaten me with death, you've got nothing on me. Praise the Lord, Amen what I'm talking about. I think we are more ready to fight than we might know. Tim Keller, when during the pandemic, he says, you know what? Christians possess within them a heroic response in times of crisis. When the pandemic hit and, and, and as it's still hitting, did you feel somewhere deep inside that the church was actually born for moments like this? Where there's pain, where there's hurt, where there's need for healing, you should find the church, amen? We weren't made to run from the hurt. We weren't made to run from the pain. We were made and created and set back down God's halo effect to run to it, amen? 
Here's what I know, man. It's like that when, when, when you know that you have been recreated in Christ, redeemed in Jesus, that you were created for a much more bigger fight than just your own personal battles. Let me ask you this question. When you consider the work of the church should be about in the world, do you include yourself? By bringing God glory. Making disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, if you're fully alive, shouldn't you be about the work of bringing this whole world back to life for his glory? Sounds like fun to me, man. This is like, this is like what? Praise the Lord. I want to challenge you guys. Some of you here don't know Jesus. Some of you have not fully committed. Some of you are living casually because you got one foot in your grave and one foot in this new life, and that just is not life. I want to give you an opportunity to come and, and pray with us. Help us, let us pray with you. Or take the moment right there and just confess it to God. Come on, man. We got some people going to be up here. They're going to be up here praying with you. Stand with me right now. Stand with me. And we just, this is, this is some heavy word of God stuff. And we can't walk around and act like it ain't making no effect in our life. And if you have fully committed and this is your life, then you need to be praying for, the, for, for everyone who, everyone else, man. The church needs to be praying for the church, amen? If you have, if, if you're still, man, you know what? I've been living in this grave and I'm just tired of living in this grave, man. And I just want to break out of this grave. Let us pray with you. We'll come up, come on up here. We're going to pray with you. Ain't nobody here to judge nobody. We're here to celebrate, Amen new life in Christ. God has been waiting on you. He's been watching you saying, I can't wait to use her. I can't wait to use him. I can't wait for them to let me love them the way they were created to be loved. Praise the Lord. Amen. A couple of things I want to give you to do, and I always give you something to do here. Um, we were in Ephesians. I want you to read Ephesians chapter this week, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 10, 1 through 10. And I want you to check our work. I want you to check our work. Our work, what we're basically saying is we're not here trying to get to God. Instead, we're trying to respond to God coming to us. Amen. And then I want you to check your work. Check your work, man. Do you think that through, you know, we, we think that salvation kind of makes us perfect-ish kind of thing. And so when we sin, we feel that we need to re-perfect ourselves all over again and it's just not happening. Check your work. But ultimately, I want you to trust his work and get to work. For your, not for your salvation, but because of it, amen. I want to pray right now before we start singing. God is calling you, man. I'm just challenging you. You're like, what, what difference does it make if I get up? When you get up and when you start to move, you're telling yourself you're making a difference. You're making a change in your life. That's why we're here to pray with you. Nothing extra special about our prayers. We pray just like you. 
But if God is calling you, and I know that there are some here right now and you're struggling with this, man, make today the day. September 19th, 2021, the day that you decide to say, you know what? I'm done with that life. I'm done walking around a dead woman, a dead man. Father, we give you the praise and we give you the glory, Lord God. And we are praying right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Ain't no grave gonna hold any of us down because Christ has risen, so can we. We pray for that testimony in Jesus' name.